Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so we have, I think we have just two Sundays left in this month because, you know, obviously one Sunday is Christmas Day and so we're, we're switching and doing the Christmas Eve service instead, which will basically be music. And, um, but there's something that I like to do a lot of times towards the end of the year for myself, but also for the church, is I like to look back for the Hoff and just kind of examine or look at some of the messages that have been profound for us. Or maybe even like a theme that I feel that the Lord has brought us into and has, um, that has been important for us as a house, you know, um, messages, themes. And as I was doing that, looking back this year, I, um, I really just, all the things that we've taught and that we've walked through, that we've grown in, that I have personally, um, I think one of the themes, especially in the beginning, is I don't usually do a series too much, but was the series that was the wilderness. And um, that was something that was, I got so much feedback on um, from around the country, really, and, and, in, and in here of people that were either listening or that were here, um, of just that, that picture that is literally the reality of Christianity, um, you know, the the forerunner even, you know, John the Baptist coming and fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah of the one in the wilderness, calling in the wilderness, make way for the Lord in the desert, you know, make clear his paths. And this, this concept of where there is nothing, creating space and creating room to actually inherit that which is of the kingdom. In other words, there is something so real, something that has been established, so eternal in our job by faith is to actually clear room inside of time and space in order to receive it, you know. And this, this concept of faith and this, this walk that so often looks so backwards to the rest of the world, you know what I mean? And actually looks so contrary or um, just different, which ends up being the walk of the Spirit and, and this reality of Christianity. And so it's really something I wanted to touch about today and just kind of recap some of these concepts because I feel like it's important for us as a house. And even as we'll, we'll give some of like what we usually do, the end of the year assignments, <laughs> like I think that can be uh, really valuable for us as well. But I, I like that. I haven't heard that song, the cloud song, the wilderness song that they sung today. I feel like I haven't heard that in for like a really long time, but that's like a real old Hoff song that they wrote probably like seven, eight years ago. And they did kind of a little rendition of it today, obviously. But it was like, it was cool because like this concept of the wilderness, this concept of this, of the walk of Israel, me, literally meaning prince with God or son with God, son of God, you know, where, where Jacob, one of the forefathers had wrestled the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself in the Old Testament and was renamed um, as one who was stepping into this eternal inheritance. And this, this concept of, you know, Israel who had been, had taken on an identity that was not theirs, just like mankind. The slaves in Egypt, those who were, who, were, who were someone they were not supposed to be, they were in bondage to Pharaoh, which is this symbolism of, of this fallen humanity, right? This symbolism of those who are slave to sin or to you know, Pharaoh being like the cobra, uh, you know, uh, Satan himself. And this, 
this perspective that it wasn't by their own works, but by God's power, they were actually released from that bondage by the power of this lamb, this Passover, and how literally the people of Israel who were under this fallen identity went through the baptism that was the Red Sea. You know, the, the waters literally parted and they walked through it and they walked out into this concept, this place, this open space, this place of haunts, this scary place called the wilderness of the unknown. They were leaving the technology of Egypt, of, of, of this false sense of security, which, which required them to be a slave in order to actually be plugged into this matrix. And they're walking across this into the wilderness, into the unknown, following this God that they were just starting to meet, you know. And um, the baptism happens, they walk out into the wilderness. But this wilderness was this magical place of training, of the enforcement of identity. It was this place, even as we're seeing it parabolically, like an analogy where they were learning to live by a different reality. The cloud, as they were singing, that covered them by day, shielded them from the harsh effects of the sun and the, this dry, humid heat. There, there wasn't clouds. That's why it was a wilderness. That's why it was desert, you know. But they were covered. Wherever they were, they were learning that their climate, their atmosphere was to be different than the one they were actually in naturally. Very practical, basic Christianity, like the fruit of our spirit, the nature, the attitude, our reality. We've been given this opportunity to live in something different than the world lives in. And that is to be our testimony, which the people want what we have. Amen. A level of wholeness, a level of health. They never got sick out there. Amen. Even as like 20 of our kids are sick right now with, with viruses and things, you know. It's like, but they, they never got sick. Their shoes never wore out in the wilderness, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Like wearing the same, you, you know. In Exodus 16, the very first test of God was like he rained manna from heaven. The bread of angels, it says, this manna, which meant, literally means what is it in their language. You know what I mean? Like, what is it? And they ended up calling it, what is it? And like, what are you eating for breakfast? What is it? I mean, a, a bowl of what is it? You know, a cake of what is it? And so this manna, this, all these pictures that we went through in the wilderness teachings over three, four weeks of what it looked like to not live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It was all written, right? Like it says in 1 Corinthians 10, like it says in Romans 15, both of those uh, written saying that all these stories of the Old Testament were written for us. They were written, written to encourage us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And so this practical reality that what Christianity is prophesied through all these stories, this concepts, you know. And... Um, but I, even when Jesus comes, he comes and he's manifested, right? He comes out of nowhere, 30 years old. And the next thing you know, the very first thing, when he comes out, his, his first, I mean, we see him as a 12-year-old, right? Just for, a, just for a brief few days, which is a very cool story. But then he's kind of gone. You don't know much about him. But his first coming out party is that baptism in the Jordan River. So again, just like Israel of the Old Testament, how they were baptized in the Red Sea, there was a second baptism, which was the Jordan River, which was the river they crossed to enter into the Promised Land. It symbolized this baptism of, of the power of heaven being put on somebody so that they could go and inherit. It's a place of like actual maturity, of sonship, of ownership, 
of power, the giftings of the Spirit, the call of God to actually step into a place that's occupied by the enemy, because that's what the promised land was, and take back that land that was rightfully theirs. Again, very much the story of Christianity all through the New Testament, prophesied through the Old Testament. So now Jesus is coming demonstrating this same thing, because we, we, we understand as believers this concept, this baptism that we're seeing, which is the Red Sea and the Jordan River, they're combined into this thing called Christianity. And Jesus comes, and his cousin John, who comes preaching a message. Dreadlock John comes saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And it's just like, wait, wait a second. What do you mean the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Because that's not our reality. Israel had found themselves back being subservient to another great nation, you know, the Romans, not being in a place of victory. And he's saying, hey, the, the reality of God's kingdom is actually here. It's among you. It's with you. And here's the mind change. Repent, he says, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Another thing that I think is a beautiful concept, we've always considered repentance. Stop doing naughty things. Move away from darkness. Hand out of the cookie jar, right? Dirty deeds done cheap, ACDC calls it, something like that. You know, stop doing these things. But repentance literally means, which it, it, it includes those things, but it means have a mindset that is changed. Change your mind, change your thinking. On what? Because John said it, then Jesus shows up saying it. What did Jesus say? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand. So what did you repent? Repent of your dirty deeds? Well, maybe so. But repent, the kingdom is actually at hand. Repent, change your mind from thinking that this thing is afar off. This is Christianity too. Well, when we go to heaven, we'll go to heaven when we die. Um, you know, it's like, well, Jesus tells us to pray, Father, in heaven. So in other words, you're communicating to somebody outside of time and space, in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Separate be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So prayer is this ushering of, this releasing of heaven into the earth realm. Not when you die, but in the here and now. And so Jesus is coming saying, hey, repent, have a mind change that this is here, this is now. Amen. This is not later on, dude. You know, this is here and this is now and have your mind changed into this reality. And we can say, but in our carnal mind, but, but it's not manifesting. My daughter has the flu. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you can, you can accept the, the circumstances of the world in the here and now, or you, can also be, or you can believe what Jesus has said and what he's done and accomplished and choose to have a mindset change until your reality lines up with his reality. Come on. And that's the call of this whole thing. That is the call and the purpose of the wilderness itself. They were in the wilderness, in the place of the unknown, getting to know a God that they did not know, as a cloud by day, as a fire in the night, their provider, Jireh, the one who healed their sicknesses, Rapha, the one who actually protected them and shielded them from all of their enemies, the, the, the one who led them like a hornet, you know, and cleared the land out before them in the promised land little by little, the one that they realized if they were following the shepherd of Israel, right? which is what Isaac called him, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> Jacob called him, the sh you have been my shepherd all this day. It was the shepherd was the title of God. You know, David called him this in Psalm 23, after, after the forefathers. 
Jesus comes and talking about himself, I am the good shepherd. You know what I mean? It's just like claiming this title of God, of Yahweh walking as a human, leading people. And this is actually the reality of what Christianity looks like. It's literally following the voice of the Lord and the word of God so much to where we're ushering his reality into this realm. Is it little by little? Is it small by small? Like, yeah, that's the way it was in Exodus. He says it'll happen little by little for you because so you don't actually consume too much of the land that could overtake you, but we're called to grow in this progressive reality that is the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And this concept of the wilderness or this empty place is this place where we create space to actually receive that which is. And we bring our minds into this reality. Jesus, Jesus goes, he gets baptized by his cousin, Dreadlock John. He comes up, we, you know, we hear, this is my beloved son, you know. I'm well pleased with him. How are you pleased with him? He hasn't done anything. That's the point of sonship. You know what I mean? You haven't done anything. He's living God, the God-man, the Son of Man, who is the Son of God, is living as a human, demonstrating what it looks like for us to follow God. Yeah, man. He's demonstrating for us his whole life. He is the word of God and he was God is what John says about him in John 1. Right? So his life is this demonstration that we can read in between the lines of his life, his actions, his direction, his path as something that we've been demonstrated for. Just like we talked about last week with Peter and water and all these, these wild things. And it's like, here you go, him demonstrating for us something, my son whom I'm well pleased, but he hasn't done anything to earn his this is like that's the point god is love and his acceptance is already taking care of this yeah man it's really good and so here he comes you know this holy spirit looks like a dove you know coming upon him which i was always like why didn't it look like an eagle a bald eagle but i'm american you know what i mean why didn't it look like a pterodactyl or something really cool and powerful but it, it looked like a dove so um so that happened and then but it says instantly that the, the spirit of god led jesus out into this place that we've, has been a theme for us, to the wilderness. And it's recorded in several different places. <coughs> Matthew and Luke are basically the, probably two of the, the most descriptive ones. Mark says he was led by the, into the wilderness. He was tested by, the, by Satan himself, and he was with the wild animals. So it actually is like a, an Easter egg talking about he was the, the last Adam was like Adam. He was literally amongst the, the animals that terrified people, you know, safely. But when I was looking at Matthew and I was thinking about this wilderness and I was thinking about our people, I was thinking about the tests of Jesus that happened over a 40-day period were so specific concerning the themes of the wilderness in the Old Testament and that second patch of that 40-year period that people walked in. And I was thinking about Jesus being tempted by Satan. He literally was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which to me is like rule number one. That is the basis of Christianity. You've come into sonship. It's nothing that you've done. I'm actually pleased with you and I love you. You know what I'm saying? And then boom, we start to follow the shepherd. Like Jesus said in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The sheep follow me because they know my voice. Christianity is about the communication of God. And it's it's not even charismatic Christianity. It is the only version of Christianity that's actually real. You know what I mean? That's actually the full expression of it. And we had seen this in all these obscure prophecies of the Old Testament, you know. Jeremiah 31, 33. Like you'll hear this voice, you'll actually know me yourself, you know. 
Joel 2, in the last days I will pour my spirit. And when this happens, which is the new covenant, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. It was all the communication that was happening only to the prophets. He was saying, in this new covenant, this is going to be wide open for the people. Sons and daughters, doesn't matter if it's a girl, sorry, you know, doesn't matter if it's a boy, old, young, you know, he's breaking all of our religious rules and regulations that obviously were not really of him. And he's saying everybody will have this koinonia. Everybody will have this communion with God. And this will be their life. You know? And it's like the shepherd, like you won't have to ask your neighbor because everyone will know me. You know? Ezekiel 36, 26, like I will speak to you. I will cleanse you. I will take out the heart of stone from you. I will put the heart of flesh back into you. That thing that had gotten so hard from the knowledge of good and evil, that will be reversed. You will know my voice. You won't need this rule book of, of, of good and evil, you actually know me, be led of me. All these opaque, oblique, strange, random scriptures all come into focus into reality. Like this covenant, it's redemption, yes, but it cannot be separated from the communication of God. Come on. Yeah, man. And if that's not our reality, then we're not living in the fullness of this reality. And there needs to be a repentance. And remember, when I say repentance, like, oh, I'm sorry, God, we, 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 we take that shame thing on, that condemnation, which Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. When the reality is the to repent means to have a change of mind and accept that what is. Repent because the kingdom actually is at hand. It's not something you're waiting on. It's something that's at hand. It is amongst you. I love Luke 17. The Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus in his words. And he's like asking him when the kingdom of heaven was going to come. He says it doesn't come with observation. He told this to Pharisees in Luke 17. He's like, because it's actually within you. The people trying to attack him, literally trying to find something wrong with what he was saying, you know what I mean? Trying to get him in trouble. And he's telling them, it's already on the inside of you. And it's just like, whoa, like that's super controversial. But you can't argue the words that are in red. You can make a denomination out of it. You know what I mean? You can do those things, but it's, it's not wise to do because it doesn't work. You can't break them. It's consistent. The whole Bible is so thorough and consistent. It's beautiful. So Jesus is demonstrating this walk for us. And that's the first thing that, gets, that there's contention over when he goes in the wilderness as a demonstration because nobody's with him. You know what I mean? He's out there not eating for 40 days. And it's like, nobody's with him. Levi, or Matthew's writing this, right? Luke ends up writing it. But they wrote it from his communication. Because I don't, you know, there's not a drone out there filming him, you know. I'm sure that in heaven we'll be able to see these things. But we can see them now in the Bible. The unbroken word of the Lord. But that's the first thing, you know. It says he tempted him in all ways that he could. So use your imagination there. But also, the three things that are, that are main, he comes and he's chipping away at him. He's like, you're obviously hungry. He's appearing, appealing to his flesh. And he's like, make the stones into bread if you're the son of God. Remember, there's many sons. You look through the history. But what, is, but what does Jesus say? It's as if he doesn't even speak to Satan. It's as if he releases his father's words to Satan. He's so hidden in the shadow of the Most High, the Psalm 91... He's so covered by God that God's words come out of this human being who actually is God and Satan didn't know, 
right? 1 Corinthians 2 says, if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Satan's out there trying to figure out who he is, what he is, what this man is, this son of God, this, this next King David. You know, he's trying to sniff him out and he's trying to appeal to all of his humanity. But it's like, eat this food. And he, and, and he quotes that beautiful verse. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. In other words, it continually flows. Continually from the mouth of God. And it's just like this demonstration of what the wilderness is, of what living on the other side of the tracks, of what being a real Christian is, is like now I'm making my decisions in life, not without wisdom and just being flippant and using our being spiritual as an excuse to make bad decisions because that happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? But actually using the Lord's voice and direction to make the decisions in our life. That doesn't mean we have to pray, should I go to Walmart Marketplace or Brookshire's today? You know, direct me. With, you know what I mean? Um, if he doesn't answer, just pick the one you like the most. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but what I'm saying is like, I'm not, we're not trying to get so overly spiritual minded that we're just frozen. But the reality is the direction of our life is meant to be built upon God's direction and word for us because he does speak. And that's what the whole new covenant's about. Definitely, if you look at it through a biblical lens. And this is what he's articulating during this test. Like, this is how man, man lives. But he's saying this to Satan. He's, he's, he's pushing, his, pushing the Torah out to him, which he is the living word of God. Satan did not know. Um, but he's doing it with an audience of millions watching. And we're the millions. We're all out there. We're in him before the foundation of the world. And now we're out there watching him in real time. Outside of time. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? But it's, but it's something for us to see, like our life, this, this reality of, of King David saying, the Lord's my shepherd, I'm not shouting. It's like, hey, like I'm officially the king. I'm the biggest man in the world. I'm the top dog. And I'm like an animal that follows a shepherd when it comes to the Lord. There's no ego in this game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, no, I'm not the top dog. I, I just work here. That's what David's saying there. And it's for all of us to see. And Jesus is demonstrating, hey, this manna of the wilderness, it wasn't about like, we just got to pray how we're going to get our food today. That can work. But it was something so much more. In the Lord's Prayer, when he gives this to everyone, give us this day our daily bread. It's literally talking about the manna story. You know what I'm saying? It's not simply how we're going to get our food, which it can be, but they understood it was something far more. And when he's talking to Satan himself, or this accuser in the wilderness, he's putting it in that context. The voice of God is the one that actually, is the thing that sustains me. Right? John 4, when he's the woman at the well, and the disciples are like, you haven't eaten? I got food you guys don't know about to do God's will. Like, I'm, I am coming alive by receiving and releasing this eternal word within me, and it steers and it leads my life and opens doors. This is, this is Christianity. This is how, this is the, this is the beginning of it, you know? The next one is like, what does he say? He says, um, so what, what are you going to eat? What's going to lead your life? The next one is, is, is this battle that I feel like so many people can get into, any of us, and that is to prove your identity. Prove that you're somebody. Prove that you're successful. Prove that you're not a, you know, fill in the blanks, what they called you back in the day, you know, whatever it is. Those things that motivate people, Satan comes and he tries to find that motivation in him. Yeah. He's trying to steer him out of this spiritual walk 
into his carnality. I, I know you, you smell like them. You've been out here for 40 days. You stink like a human. I know your flesh has got to be hungry. I know you're tired. I know you have an ego. He understands the fallen mind of man. These are highly intelligent beings and still are to this day. And he understands the carnal nature of man. And so here he is plucking away at it and trying to press any button that he can get a reaction out of, but he gets nothing, right? <laughs> and it's just so, so funny. It's like, um, if you are, the Son of God, throw yourself off. Throw yourself down. It says he took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This pinnacle of the temple is like, uh, you know, it's like probably like a five to, between a five and an eight story building, just depending on how you look at it. And I always think about this when I'm downtown on the square. It was like, you know, 75% up one of the, like the black building where Andy's is and all that stuff. Jesus is up way up there. Somehow, Satan actually pulls him up to the pinnacle of this temple. That's power right there. But he pulls him up on the pinnacle of this temple, and they're standing there. And Herod's, uh, Herod had a terrace up there, and he had his, his whole flat, his whole loft and stuff up there on the walls of this place. And so around this, the wall of the city. And so they were somewhere near there where there had to be guards and stuff all around the place. But somehow Satan and him <laughs> appear way up there. So if there's people literally walking around the square of Jerusalem... You know, they can look up there and see. They probably couldn't even really recognize him very well. They just look like two people standing up there in the middle of the day, which I think is just such a cool, like, picture. Like, nobody knew. Like, that was a little trash talking was happening up there. That was, like, <laughs> the, the ruler of this world who had been delivered the keys by Adam and Eve thousands of years before and the eternal king in stealth mode, and he didn't know, and they're chipping away each other up there. You know, I mean, that's pretty fun. Um, but he's testing him. He's like, hey, if you, if you really are the son, it's, it's, so, it's so similar to the test in the garden. You know what I mean? Eat this fruit, and then you will be like God. You know what I'm saying? Do this, and then you'll be what you actually already are, and you'll know good from evil. And it's this very similar thing, like do this thing, act this way, um, prove this about yourself. If he can get somebody to work for what they already have, then that's what religion looks like. Yeah. Instead of accepting the grace of what Jesus has done. You know? But it's the same with identity. Prove your acceptance. Prove that you're valuable to God. Sow the seed of doubt to try to get you to actually do something to make God prove something that he's already proved and that he already owns. And this is a root of so much identity, living in order to prove something that doesn't need to be proved. The acceptance that can only be found in knowing the Lord, relationally. Jesus doesn't have that button. You know what I mean? Yeah, he doesn't have that button at all. Remember, towards the end of John, he told the disciples, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing inside of me. He has nothing in me. I believe that's John 18. Um, but that means like, he doesn't have any button he's going to be able to push in me to cause me to turn. He's going to look for a reaction, but it will never happen because Jesus was completely and totally whole. And this is the wilderness. It is the place. We've called this the year of freedom. It is the place of wholeness where your identity, you are becoming conformed to the image of God. And just like John, the last book ever written, Revelation and then John, you know, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. He took an identity of himself that even lost his own name to who he truly was, beloved of God. Yeah. And so Jesus is just like, he always says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, which I think is beautiful because it was like, you're not going to provoke me to try to tempting God to prove something to me. But also, he was God. 
and he was rebuking Satan. And I know that Satan, once he realized who that was, three years later, three and a half years later, he realized, man, I had him right there, and I did not know. I did not know. And uh, so that's great. The last test, he's like, all these things I'll give to you if you'll fall down and you'll worship me. All these things. It says he took him upon an exceedingly high mountain. So here's another. This isn't somebody taking you know, drink, eating, popping, eating a couple mushrooms, or you know what I mean? He didn't mix up some ayahuasca and make Jesus drink it and take him into a trance. He's, this powerful being is transporting Jesus all around. You know what I mean? Which is just such a wild thought to see. This, this demonic manifestations he was bringing him into. Jesus not eating for 40 days, just in the zone, man. And he's just, you know. Satan brings him up on this exceedingly high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he's like, all these things I'll give to you if you'll fall down and you'll worship me. To which Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. For it is written, yeah, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Like this isn't going to go reverse, buddy. You know, you're going to bow down to me. That's what he could have said, but he didn't. He didn't say anything personal. He literally tore a piece of that scroll off and said, here's my answer. He was so hidden in the truth and in the word of God through the whole thing. It was almost like he didn't talk. He just ripped pieces of paper off. Here's, here's the verse for that, bro. You know, I'm not messing with you right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they were so strategic. And this last test, it's like, hey, with your identity, can you be bought? Is there something that I can give you that you will put in your priorities before following your purpose and your destiny in God. And Jesus is like, I can't. You know. Another thing that I think is right there, Jesus like the rightful inheritor of all the kingdoms of the earth. You know what I mean? Something he was coming to take that was actually his. It's like, I'll give you these. And it's, and, and, and it's like, no, I'm, these are all coming to me fully. And he had a path to get them. The cross itself, you know what I mean? But Satan's, Satan's like trying to confuse the path. Satan's trying to say like, hey, look, you won't have to go through. This doesn't have to be a war. This doesn't have to be a battle. Just yield now and I'll give you this planet. I'll give you this planet, but just bow. It doesn't have to get ugly. He's, Jesus is not intimidated by this. I mean, I, I would imagine the, the pressure there like, man, I'm going to have to go through something super excruciating. But it was like, no, it was bigger than those kingdoms. It was the redemption of the entire planet, of all creation, of all people, of all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he could not be bought. That's another tactic of the enemy. Speaking of the wilderness, it's like, I'll give you an easy way out. You won't have to go through pain. This is another thing. If you look at even like Galatians 5, when it talks about these are the fruit of the Spirit, but these are the works of the flesh. All of the works of the flesh are counterfeit ways to achieve something fake, a fake version of the fruit of the Spirit, but also to numb and avoid and medicate pain. Yeah. All of it. Drunkenness, all the different sexual perversions, all the anger and rage, all those things that are there. Sorcery, pharmacia, you know what I mean? St. Tom Cruise, you know, don't take an Advil. The Saint Scientology, what I mean. He might not be that. I shouldn't say that anymore. He might not be anymore. Who knows? I just saw Top Gun last night. It was pretty good, though. Yeah, it was all right. I thought it was all right. Uh, so, rewind a little bit. Back to religious things, please. 
let's get serious. Um, Tom Cruise, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But all, all the, the, the fruit of the, the, fle the works of the flesh, they're called the works of the flesh. They're not sin. They're called the works of the flesh. And in these, you won't inherit the kingdom of God, right? It's like these things people do to achieve the fruits of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace. Just the peace. All, all the self-medication of pain. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's all there. And it's the same in this wilderness test. You come face to face with pain. But you come face to face with Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Because he heals, at, he heals to the root. And the pain that haunts and opens the door for darkness, he heals to the root and replaces it with light in eternal perspective, which is authority in this life. And this is the wilderness. The wilderness is the place where we're learning to live in an alternative reality. It is an alternative reality that Jesus came to say, hey, it's here. It's at hand. And there's no reason, there's no excuse not to, not to live this way. I've actually finished the work for you. And you can step into this relational connection. And not only that, he comes as a man, as a human, as fully God and fully human, walks this life out as a description, as a word, as a message, the message of God to mankind, that you're redeemed and this is how the walk works. This is how the prayer it's not a prayer of incantation, but this is how prayer, this is what prayer is. It is coming to our Father who art in heaven. It is coming to this connection with you and your true dad. In other words, boom, you're, all, you're, you're starting to call God Abba. You know what I mean? Like, it's dad. It's like, that in itself is the breakthrough. You know? You, hallowed be your name. Wow, your name. Hallowed be your name. It's been, it's been, written and it's been portrayed in a way that was wrong and hallowed means separate separate be your name from all that has been been portrayed about it and may that your kingdom come and your let, may your name may your person be seen as who you truly are in our life on the earth no repent because you're going to go to hell if you don't join our club <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah i know that's a tactic but that's not the biblical tactic no it is life manifested through his people that, are, that end up being like a city that's on a hill, a light that can't be hidden. And people actually come to it because they want what you stepped into. And it's not seclusion. It's wide open to humanity. And this is the brilliance of the whole thing. It's the, it's the, it's the reality of the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want David's coming in here. This is Christianity. It doesn't matter if there's the, the crystal clear uh, Ozark water in the green grass as a shepherd. That's, that's, the, that's peak conditions right there. Or even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death is over my neck. I still will fear no evil for your rod and stuff are with me. They comfort me. Well, I thought the rod of God was for punishment and he whips people with it. Like, yeah, that's another bipolar deity that's pagan that's influenced its way through scriptures that Jesus has come to reverse. And David is saying in his Christianity, my real ownership in this walk is it doesn't matter if the conditions are good or if they're not good. My reality is covered by him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Amen. It's like, hey, green grass, shadow of, shadow of death, neither one of those matter. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Even those things that come that feel contrary to me, I realize this is food for me. 
This is the wilderness mentality. It is a mentality that is here to manifest, learning to manifest an alternative reality, learning it for it to be our reality and also the peoples around us. That's the theme of the wilderness, one of them. One of the main, the major things. I think I might finish with that. Um, I've looked at some things, even for myself, even though that, that I've been walking through this this year. And when you read the Bible, it's like you start to realize there's so much that comes, that falls right into place. It's like, hey, you guys are supposed to be, as the church, the demonstrators and the ushers of heaven into the earth. And everywhere you're not experiencing that, instead of throwing the white flag up, it's, it's going into the connection of the victory and, and, and trying to unlearn the ways of the world and learn and receive the strategies to manifest the breakthrough of heaven in this life. And it can be anything literal from practical business stuff to spiritual things to health to wholeness to psychology, all these different fields. It's like it touches all of these things. There's a higher way and it's following the shepherd. And I love some of the words of, of the, the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. Jesus said, the helper in John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things which I've said to you. It's like there's something eternal of life that is inside of you, that is of me, that is my spirit, that you have within you, in your sphere, that it doesn't matter if the conditions are perfect or not, you have a trump card of connection to me that actually manifests the breakthrough of heaven. He will guide you, in John 16, he says, he will guide you into all truth. He will lead you into the answers of all things. I love in um, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness within our own spirits that we are the children, the sons of God. Yeah. It's like, wait a second, some of this responsibility, I'm trying to figure these things out on my own, it is actually coming even to your Bible and even to your relationship to the Lord and asking him, hey, wait a second, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like the Pharisees of Luke 17, wait, you're on the inside of me. The kingdom is in me. Your spirit's in me in this covenant. Would you bear witness with my spirit? Would you convince me is what it means? Would you bring me into the full belief of my sonship or daughtership? I think that's a word. With you and what it looks like to inherit heaven in the earth in this scenario and in this situation. I love Romans 12. That's been a big scripture for us. 12 verse 2, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let your mind be conformed to this world. We, we've accepted so many things that are a violation of the covenant of God that even within our mind, they've become like grooves in our brain that we filter the rea our reality through those grooves because it's such a set pattern, but God wants to undo these things. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's like be transformed by the renewing by the Holy Spirit in your mind to where that you can actually come into agreement with the reality that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that you can prove it that you can prove what is the good and acceptable will of the Lord. Amen. It's like we've seen the, the will of the Lord in Jesus. It is the reversal of all things that came in through the fall. Amen. Yeah. It's like, what's, what's, where's the missing link? 
be transformed in your brain to where you can actually come into full agreement and belief with that reality. Whose job is that? The ghost. The Holy Ghost. It sounds a little assemblies of God, right? That ain't me, but still, it's, it's fun to talk like that. I mean, I love the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. That strikes right into the heart of identity. Do this and you'll be like God. If you really are a son, prove it by this, you know. D gain acceptance, gain, gain status, you know. Don't imitate the ideals in the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern the will of God in all things. It's like, wow. Sounds to me like the whole Bible is a message of something that's been done. Finished. You know? And between the ears, the mind, is the place that has to be renewed in such a way that it comes into agreement with this truth. And this causes it, I will say, causes, I say, forces the manifestation of heaven into the earth. This is the point of all Bible studies, to see Jesus, to see the finished work. We love it, man. We, we, we come to this realization, the Apostle Paul, all these past tenses we've been speaking about, like, I have been crucified with Christ. For us, that's 2,000 years back. For him, it was like 30 years back. You know what I mean? I was crucified with Christ. I already died. It's no longer I, I who live. But the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And a lot of translations will say, you know, the life I now live, I, I live by faith in the Son of God. But it's, it's, it's not that way. It's literally written, the life I live is by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, His faithfulness and what He's already accomplished, that's what's, it's set. It's finished. Yeah. You know? It's real, man. Amen. You got like, you know, N.T. Wright and John Piper writing books back and forth at each other, bashing each other over, over these topics now. You know, N.T. Wright's actually right. He's, he's tough for me to read, but he's actually right. But anyhow, the, the point of the thing is, it's like the whole thing's been finished. And the mindset of mankind, by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the, the illumination of the Word of God, his, this manna, this bread from heaven that we're called to step into, this is what unlocks it within us until we're so fully assured that it is our reality we manifest it in the earth. So that's it. <clears throat> That's it. One thing we like to do every year, we do it usually in Rosh Hashanah. We, we have a series of questions. But I, I think I have a better one or a cool one for the end of the year, right? And um, I think this will be helpful. And so it's similar to the questions of what are the things that the Lord's added? What are the things that the Lord's taken away? We've done those before. And we, we did that at Rosh Hashanah this year, so I think it'll be really great for us as a house to review, and I'm going to do it as well. And it's not like an assignment where you got to get up and talk about it, right? I mean, you can in the life groups if you want, whatever, but, um, <clears throat> but is to look back on the voice of the Lord in your life. And this is something I love to do, like literally take the year of 2022 and look back on the voice of the Lord in your life and review it. The things that the scriptures that you feel like he's highlighted to you, the things that he's brought to your heart, uh, the dreams that you've had that are from him, not from eating, you know, too much pizza or ice cream that night, and you, you know, but like, you know, the stuff you felt like, hey, that was God talking to me that I'm writing down, the stuff that he's imparting, the encounters you've had with the Lord. And um, see if there's a theme there, you know, 
every year. I mean, I do these things where the, 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 the passages of Scripture that, you know, you can make a note in your iPhone or whatever that, like, really spoke to you, that were profound, that you knew he was highlighting and you were on to something there. The dreams that you had or the experiences that you had with the Lord. Right? It's like, well, God doesn't speak to me that way. It's like, that's, I'm sorry, but that's not true. It's just not. God doesn't speak to me in dreams or what you know, it's like, yeah, well, maybe you don't value it enough to receive it, but he does. That's if you if biblically, if you just look back at the new covenant and the way it talks about it, like that's one of the ways God speaks. That's that's just what it is. Does it all the way through the New Testament, does it all the way through the old, and the old prophesies that that's how it's gonna happen in the new. So get you something to write with and put it next to your bed, you know what I mean? And don't take Ambien and, and copious amounts of caffeine, and you'll probably remember some of the stuff that he's talking in the night. That's just the way I know that's tough, but it's just what it is, man. You know what I mean? This ain't charismatic Christianity. Some some weird Pentecostal AG church or some weird flighty place. You know what I'm saying? This is just a Bible, dude, and it's unarguable. You know, not without taking out of context. Can argue. So anyway, um, so yeah, if you're not keeping a journal and writing down the things the Lord speaks to you, then um, and the things you're learning, um, then I would say you're, you'll be missing a very valuable aspect of engaging the Lord. You know, because you'll start to see that there will be a thread through the, through the season, through the year, of something that he's really wanting to speak into your being, into your person, and a maturity that he's raising you into. And it's, it's, it's so valuable, you know. So, um, you know. But anyways, back to the review. The review of the things, it's like, what, are the, what, are the theme, what is the theme, what are the things the Lord's been speaking to your heart? What are the things that he's been bringing you into, um, that he's been speaking to you in dreams? And then ask yourself, has this become a part of me this year? You know, take full ownership there. You know, I mean, maybe the, maybe there's rebukes. Maybe there's <laughs> several things that he's like, hey, this needs to be correct. Hey, change this. You know, you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, like, grab grab the thing by the horns and take ownership and actually walk into the maturity. This is the process of the Lord is my shepherd. John ten, my sheep know me. They know my voice and they follow it. And it leads to life. I think Beth even opened up with that of actually following the things where there's hunger. That's such a beautiful principle in this walk. It's like the places where there is a spiritual hunger within you. It's like that is often how the shepherd leads in hunger. And in relationship to him, search those things out that he's leading you into. Even if they're little questions that feel like a little splinter in your brain. How can this be and how can that be? It's like, dude, search that thing out. But ask him, this spirit of God, to lead you into that truth. And it's, I'm telling you, it's just brilliant how things happen this way. This, the whole thing comes alive.